0: Do you want to do more to make impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to live and lead with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I'm speaking with Linda Edgecombe, an award-winning celebrity humorous speaker, trainer, and consultant And an incredibly inspiring impact maker. We're talking today: sales, stories, and truths. How to weave impact into your business, organization, and of course, with your people. Ready to be inspired into taking action to make sustainable impact? Ready to challenge how you live your everyday? Are you ready to laugh? Because we're going to. Let's do it.
1: This is the Passion for Impact Podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate Trisha Miltimore. Thank you for joining in.
0: This is the Passion for Impact Podcast, where we have one clear goal: to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Be sure to subscribe to receive links to featured companies, people, and offers. To subscribe, visit PassionIgniter.ca forward slash podcast. Sales stories and truths developing a platform to make impact doesn't just happen without effort it takes deliberate work to weave change to nurture socially conscious intentions, and to engage empowered mindsets into your organization and your team. My guest today is an expert in the arena of impact. In so many ways, she's an expert in this. Linda Edgecombe is an award-winning celebrity humor speaker, trainer, and consultant. For the past 28 years, Linda's footprint is seen and experienced around the world. Her mission is to get people fired up and ready to shift or get off the pot. The 60 top motivational speakers in the world list includes Linda Edgecombe. Her non-BS approach is refreshing, engaging, and relevant. I've seen it in the in action, and it absolutely is. Linda's latest book and TED Talk, Breaking Busy, Finding Peace in the Chaos, is a game changer for those who want to step off the treadmill. Change has never been this painless. She energizes every room as she leads people to loosen up, lighten the load, and laugh. Linda has been featured in the Wall Street Journal as an expert in shifting perspectives. Her messages are as welcome as a deep belly laugh and as profound as an honest look in the mirror. Sounds kind of scary. Welcome, Linda, to the show. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah well well that's um you know short of walking on water what else could you say about me <laughs> and and you know introductions as we all know are very um well you know we write them ourselves they sound like they're written in third person um and everything on that uh intro is is truth but that is literally the highlight reel that's all it is that's the highlight reel there's uh so much low light uh and some mid light but um yeah. Anyway, so that is a, that is a by the way, Trish, you're an extremely good enunciator. Your, oh. your language and pace and diction is is Well, thank amazing. you, Linda. It's very nice of you. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's nice. Oh, I appreciate thank that. You.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I know that the bios are always the highlight reel, but over many years now, I have watched you in action at conferences, different events, and, you know, not to sound ingratiating, but you are absolute everything that that bio says, and why I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. Well, for many reasons. Why so it's me fun, and you have you know great tips and yeah. mindset shifts and stuff. But um, you extend your expertise in empowerment not only like corporately, but you've extended that into your own life experiences and the impact that you're making, which I can't wait to get into with her international. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But it's yeah. it's truly like you're you're just an inspirational ball walking around that speaks the truth and shows people how it can be done, and that's what I want to h- help uh, audience members, listeners to really tap into. Is that any kind of business, service businesses as well? You know, speaking is like a service can actually incorporate impact in different ways. So
1: that's why I'm mm-hmm. so excited to have you here today. It's great to be here because you know uh, you know it's, as as we all know in this crazy last, uh, you know, 10 months of our life. So almost coming up on a year when our businesses, you know, evaporated into the ether and um, we had to start to think about first Well, first of all, it took me until literally mid-August, mid-August to get my head out of my arse and put the <laughs> wine glass down and <laughs> say, okay, really, what do you want to do here, kid? Because uh, there's no meetings happening in the next, who knows, maybe year. And yeah, so it's, um, you know, I, I did a little, my first experience of podcasting in uh, in the summer albeit I did my podcast on wineries in the Okanagan where we both live and um, how I got paid was the uh, in exchange for promoting each of the wineries they they paid. They paid me in wine. So it was. Um, it was the best flipping summer job. Honest to God, I had so much fun. It engaged me. It made me get creative. And it, um, which is, I was just my soul was lacking so, so much. Um, and uh, something different, right, to push. A skill set, push this button versus that button and engage people. And, and I, I love wine, but I love conversations.
0: Yeah, I it's really, kind of a common thread, I would imagine, uh, throughout your life is that engaging people in conversation, right? And people to think oh, differently. Oh,
1: absolutely. There's a line in Jerry Maguire um, I am too old for bullshit at this point in my life. And so I like getting to the backstory really, mm-hmm. really fast. You know, we can talk. I mean, we are. We're just talking lightly right now, but I love the backstory of people. And so, uh, whenever I meet someone new, let's say, um, uh, so for, I'm one of those people that when you go for massage, I talk the whole time <laughs> and I come out knowing how many kids they have, who they're currently sleeping with, um, what their hobbies are, you know, all those things. And they're going, I cannot believe people go, I cannot believe that I go, if you ask a good question, you tend to get right. a good answer. Oh, I'm trying to think of <laughs> people asking good, good
0: questions that is going to be so intriguing oh, ask- that, uh, you know, for the podcast right now, <laughs> where, where can I go with this? <laughs>
1: People will say, I never tell people, I don't know what it is. You just open them up, get to the stuff, get to the real stuff. And that's where the fun conversations Mm -hmm. are.
0: And the genuine human connection too, which I think so many of us are are missing right now is that just genuineness and humanness.
1: Yeah. I really believe that, you know, the whole uh, coronavirus COVID experience has pushed us to be okay with not being Mm. okay. It's, it's, it's allowed us to admit that, you know, I, I don't really have it going on right now and, and we're more mm-hmm. forgiving and less judgmental because ourselves are not doing okay all the time either. And I think if, if, if that's the only gift we get out of this, like that makes us a lot kinder to each other. Uh, that has been my sort of experience. And, um, and people want, as I say, you know, it's bells. Let's talk about it a week. People are okay to talk right. about it more when we're in tough spots yeah. and Anyway, I love that. Yeah. Okay, being
0: not okay, and on the other yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I think on okay. the other side of that too, and you know, maybe you can offer, offer some ideas on this too, is that people are are almost okay with changing trajectory, where they're so stuck in what they were doing before, are they? You know, really really invested in their businesses or goals or whatever it was that they got going on their job but suddenly things were changing for people so it almost kind of created an environment where like oh I can look at something
1: different some of us were forced to oh totally yeah. forced to I think I think all of us are forced into a change so whether you embraced it before you probably just opened your arms up a bit wider if you had not embraced change before if you really dug your heels in this was the big brick wall for 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 all of us and we could either choose to not do well. Like I chose to not do well for a number of months and I, and I teach this stuff. I I write about this stuff. And when I wasn't doing what I've been talking about for almost flipping 30 years, I went, okay, you know, it, even for those of us who are relatively motivated most of the time. And I, what I knew about when I, like I say, I took my head out of my arse, but I was definitely floating down the river denial and, I'm not even sure of denial of what, I just thought life would switch back. And so when I finally said, okay, Linda, what are we going to do here? It, you know, and for me, that took four or five months of pretty good depression, because I've I've worked with, I always say, i never say suffered with, I've worked with depression my entire adult life. So I knew I was there. And I knew I was there pretty early on. Because when, for a lot of people, and probably many people who listen to your podcast, um, when for me, I'll just speak for myself. I lost my my job, my career of 30 years. I've never not had a job since I was 14. I've always made my own money. I've never been with my husband 35 years. I've never asked my husband for money. So I lost my career, my income, and my identity. And it's the identity piece that really threw me for a loop That because I had so much ego and identity wrapped up in, yeah, I'm pretty good on stage. And I know intellectually I have a lot – other things going on. I I do some other things, you know, like, you know, I'll listen to that bio again. I'm So I know that intellectually, but I really identified with that whole performance thing. Yeah. So I thought if I can, if I can work through this, then I can talk about it. And then I can help other people work through it. That's really sort of, okay, I've been given this gift again. Let's work through it. And uh, so that's sort of been my process of the, or as a process, doesn't matter, of the last, you know, few months. And for me, you know, turning to virtual presentations, uh, which was, which has been amazing. I mean, I just really thought there's no way I can talk to this little hole in my computer. Like there's just no, way. oh yeah, I can. And I figured out how to be effective and get people engaged. And so it's, I love the fact that I had to definitely learn, learn a new skill set. What was- and I mean that for everybody, you know, because there's, we're all doing work differently so what
0: was that uh point that allowed you to create the space to, to learn those new skills like what what happened in your mind or how did you get yourself inspired and was it the podcast experience the novelty expanding your skills like yeah
1: yeah definitely had that definitely had something to do with it and and i felt success with it so and i and i that that feeling was familiar to me so you know i did probably 12 podcasts through the summer people were just super open to talk I mean I yes we talked about wine spirits and beer and cider but really that was just sort of the that was the conduit or the liquid <laughs> you know you know why I did it before I go to bed at night I usually watch a little bit of YouTube and um oh god what's his name now he's British he's very funny not Corbin but the he's got a talk show and everybody on he's a British guy okay if I in the notes, I'll get Trisha the notes. You can look them up. Uh, and he always has, you know, a Lester stars on it. And somebody, I saw him in an interview once and, and they said, how do you get these people to say all this stuff? He goes, you put alcohol in front of people, they'll tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up in the morning and went, oh, I got to do a podcast about wine <laughs> and drink while we're interviewing people. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so to answer your question, a long answer to the question, in doing it, You know, for me, for me, it's like I'm not totally fearful where it it makes me freeze because I've had some successes when I've been totally petrified before. So I've walked into fears Mm -hmm. before, big performances, big competitions, big whatever, and just harnessed it and walked through the other end and and felt some success with that. And I've also failed lots of crap, too. But so I I had that toolkit in my back pocket. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I felt success. I went, okay, that charged me up again. But truthfully, another indicator, what was the moment? Oh, and I've never owned a scale. So I've never stepped on a scale in like probably 25 years. But I mean, I just sort of, you know, caught myself in the mirror one day. I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Damn COVID.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said. Put the wine glass down. You know, when the coffee cup passes the torch to the wine cup and and that's, you know, you're pushing three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's time. (laughs)
0: Anyway, you describe yourself, or I, I always ask. You know, tell me five words. to Describe yourself, and your answer was opinionated, fun, game yeah. for almost anything, and woman's advocate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell
0: me about. Which I one? want to know more about the game for almost anything part.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So I've always been very competitive. I grew up like as a tomboy, and I always thought. I can do anything a boy can do. I never ever had the thought otherwise. So I, that's always sort of just been my MO, not my sister's. So I don't know why I got it, but maybe because I'm a middle child. And so I always, whatever I try to want to be good at it, or at least do it. And Then when I got into my teens, I wanted to be good at it and then impress the boys, which wasn't always, you know, when you're beating them at arm wrestling at a grade seven dance, it's probably not, <laughs> that's not how you hook a guy, you know? <laughs> and um, so, so, as I've gotten older, what I have noticed, I've gotten a little more fearful, and I noticed that when I turned fifty, really, I were oh. angry. yeah, I know, I know, and and I, what I'm I'm fairly self, I mean, I can pride myself being self aware, so I was noticing. Let's say Kevin is really game; my husband's really game to do stuff like let's just get in the car, like we let's just get on a plane. We have no accommodations booked, and just we'll find something when we get there. That's not so comfy for me anymore, but because <laughs> my. my level of quality for a hotel room has definitely gone up over the years of being on the road. But um, yeah, I noticed it. We're in, we're in Mexico. We are staying in a very lovely place, a condo. And he says, let's rent a car and we'll just drive down to Tulum and we'll figure out. And my anxiety, I never had a panic attack before. I didn't, but I just knew physically I, something was up. And uh, I went, what the hell? Why, What's What am I scared of? And I realized I, I had... You know, lost, I've lost a bit of that jam of who gives a rip where we sleep or who, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I, uh, so I've had to push myself more often as I've aged. That's for sure. And people who listen to this will totally relate to this because I've surveyed lots of people on this topic. When you aren't in control of the outcome, that's what holds people back from doing any kind of change. That's the biggest fear. I'm not in control of the outcome. That's why people stay in shitty relationships. That's why they stay in crappy jobs because they cannot predict what's on the other side of that fear. And so I always say, you know, to, when it comes to change, like just start practicing the small stuff, like just start, just little things like uh, if you go out for dinner, if you can, like we can in the Okanagan, if you go out for supper or dinner somewhere or lunch, instead of ordering ask the waiter or waitress to just to bring me something, just surprise me and just see if you can handle it. Because believe me, they're going to ask you, "Do you have any food allergies and stuff?" So you won't get something that's going to make you sick. But just be out of control of a couple things. You know, don't press your clothes. Well, who's going into an office anymore? Who's when's the last time you even had to flip an iron out? But anyways, don't press your clothes (laughs) to the whatever level you like to. Like, do it half. Go out
0: with a few uh, wrinkles here and there. You know, just
1: right because you're going to feel out of control, and it's that out of controlness that freaks people out, which keeps us exactly where we are doing exactly what we are doing and loathing it most of the time. It's, yeah. So, but it does take practice, just like decision-making. Most of us, if we've never practiced making decisions, what movie do you want to see? Oh, you pick. What would you like for dinner? I don't care. Whatever you think. When it comes to big decisions, which, which come down the pipe for all of us at some point, we have no clue how to make them. So we don't, we just hover. And that to me is probably, you know, I mean, I know you're the passion. Well, it's the truth. You're the passion igniter. We need to practice making decisions. We need to practice having difficult conversations. We need to practice being a bit out of control, not knowing what the outcome will be and, you know, learning how to fail. And I mean, that's all it mean, Everybody says this, but that is the honest to goodness truth. And when you do that, you have a toolkit in your back pocket that you know, you will come through the other end, regardless. That's like, we know we'll come through the other end of this thing that we're yeah. in right now. As it's forcing yeah.
0: us to get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's really fascinating to me that at 50, you started noticing yourself feel a little bit more, whatever, anxiety or fear. Because yeah. uh, the right. hope for me was that, you know, by 50. I, I was going to say,
1: yeah, F it. Well, here's the other thing. Uh, what, I, I joke because I turned 60 this summer and. Um, I always say when I turn 50, I stop giving a rip. When I turn 60, I really don't give a rip what anybody thinks anymore, which can get me in trouble because it's, you know, I I walk to the edge of opinion and content. I've always had this sort of my MO, but, you know, I need to walk to the edge kind of sort of, but I really don't care. I mean, if you, if you hate what I'm saying, I don't, whatever, mm. <laughs> I'm not going to lose sleep over it. There's that piece but, uh, even like for, I'll give you another small example. So for years and years and years and years, my favorite sport was downhill skiing. I mean, I was a ski patrol. I, i raced in downhills. Um, you know, that's so I met boys. I was good at skiing and, um, I was
0: going to say, I do (laughs) notice a pattern.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I haven't done a whole lot of skiing in the last few years. And I, and I have a cabin at big white. Uh, I have a season's pass. I've been up for half a day. That's all I've been up so far. So, I'm thinking of going up on Saturday and it, I feel anxiety about it. Now I know I can ski. It's, um, do I want to actually go outside and I know I'm going to be a bit stiff cause I'm not as strong in my legs as I used to, you know, there's all, it's, it's all unfounded BS. So it's in my head, my head's talking to myself and I'm going, I'm talking myself out mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? That's, um, just, I don't know the why. I just notice it. So, you know, I'll go anyway, especially, well, if I can get talking, you know, a couple girlfriends to go, I'll go. I, and I don't even mind if I go by, I, I ski by, I've always skied by myself anyway, but, and if you ski by yourself these days, you get a whole chair to yourself.
0: Right now. Yes, right? <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, four-on four
1: chair, six-person chair, spread it out. There's
0: Linda <laughs> on the chair with her bottle of wine and a uh, fancy, yeah, the fancy yeah. jacket that holds a glass or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> so what I really am inspired with uh, about the work that you do, I mean, A, you're, mm-hmm. you're a master professionally, like truly a master at what you do. There's I've never met someone or seen someone who has the the skill set you do on stage. It's just it's so it's funny, but then it's instantaneously twisted around to being like incredibly insightful. So you're a master at that. You got that down. You're you're beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a whole other aspect about you and the work you do beyond just being a professional speaker and trainer uh, that is with, with her international. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, how did, how did this like philanthropic work begin? And oh my gosh, and how did it grow to what, where it's at now?
1: It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- d- there's yeah, definitely. Um, and I, you know, I, and I love, and I love talking about it. So historically, I've always been a volunteeraholic, Okay. Okay, So, I mean, even professionally, when I worked for Edmonton Parks and Rec, my job was to coordinate and work with volunteers in the community to create the best community experience people could have in their communities. So I've always been a volunteer and I've always worked with volunteers. I know how to recruit volunteers and give back. It's it's all about giving back, whatever the cause. And there's been many, many causes Mm -hmm. over the years. And... So I, you know, I built a skill set around that piece. So how it started, I had a group of um, girlfriends who used to. This is what we're talking so it probably fifteen plus, so probably twenty years ago. Group of girlfriends here in the Okanagan, all different, ind- independent b- business women, you know, solopreneurs, all solopreneurs. We'd get together probably once every six, seven weeks, basically to drink wine, eat popcorn. That's <laughs> yeah. it. And of course, we gossip and pe- catch up, and what are you doing? And then every once in a while, because then we started noticing patterns. We're all telling the same story over and over and over. You know, whatever's bugging us, whatever's whatever's going on in our lives, the stories keep repeating themselves. And we're going, how come none of this shit ever changes? And so I um, went out to an event uh, to speak in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Safety Council had to have been 500 people in the audience, three quarters if not more men, because it was at the time, this is many years ago. And I said to them, I just challenged them verbally, I said, if you could do anything this next week that has nothing to do with your work, because I think I asked the question, if you're gifted two hours with nothing else to do, but you can't do anything that's work related, just gifted two hours, it's just given to you, what would you like to do with that time? And I I said, just write it down. And then I challenged them and I said, okay, what I'd like you to do in the next, you know, I think I gave them three days. I, and I don't know why I did this. This was not planned. I said, I'd like you to just uh, act on whatever that is, whether it's hang out with your spouse, your kids, move your body, you got a hobby, I don't know what it is, sleep, um, read, and um, I need you to email me. And even if you don't do it, just email me and say, I didn't do anything. Just because I wanted them to have a teeny piece of an accountability piece. But I wasn't even, didn't even know that's what it was mm-hmm. at the time. Okay, this is how I—I I don't know. Maybe something's just feeding through me. Who knows? Who knows? Out of the five hundred people there, I think I got three hundred and fifty wow. emails. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I knew right then that hit that definitely hit a chord, and I went, "Okay, there's something here," and I wasn't quite sure what even that was yet. So I started asking that question every time I would speak, and depending on the group. So if it was people in sales, let's say, I'd get an eighty-five percent return rate of the number of people who would email me back with what they did or didn't do. And uh, so then I ke- went back to my ladies. I said, we need to, we need to put an accountability piece into this little group we're doing. So then we started meeting once a month. We'd say, and because again, we're all solopreneurs. What's something you want to accomplish this month? And it could be little, it could be big, whatever. And every week we just, we just email each other with, with an update. So we met once a month, we emailed each other with an update. So out of that over a year, so, of course, I wrote something. I wrote a book on it.
0: Of course you did.
1: <laughs> called, <laughs> of course. Called, called Guilt-Free Accountability. Yeah. But through the process of that year with these ladies, one of those ladies was Michelle Bonneau, who is the founder of IWIN, I-W-E-N, International Women's Education Network, which now has been renamed to Her International. And at the time she just said, okay, this is, she will tell this to, she said this in public. So I'm just going to say it. She said, okay, I was sitting and she's a retired nun, which is makes it all of whatever, everything about her hilarious. <laughs> Cause she, she swears, I swear a lot. I've already sworn three times, I think in this interview. And she swears like a lot. She says, I was sitting on the toilet last night and I thought to myself, what if I sold my condo and I went back to Nepal and uh, I got to do something about these girls. Because girls in Nepal, we're talking now again, 20 years ago, g- girls in Nepal and lots of developing countries were being sold for labor, sex trade, slavery, yeah. whatever. And girls young, yeah, six to 10, 11, 12. If they are 12 and they are still at home, they probably get arranged marriage. So they'd go off to be the boys. And the, re- and the reason that this happens, by the way, if you're having judgment, just notice if you're having judgment coming up, what I'm saying is culturally driven and poverty mm-hmm. driven. And... You know, people, I mean, just culture and poverty, no education. So and girls in the culture go to work so that their brothers can go to school. So she says, I think I'm going to go back to Nepal. So she, she had a flipping condo on Lakeshore, <laughs> Lakeview. You don't even want to know what she sold it for. Not much. Went back to Nepal and she sent me an email. She says, Linda, she goes, you're in front of people all the time. She goes, what if I send you some scarves from Nepal and you take them and maybe we can raise two, three, four hundred dollars? And I said, okay. So she sent me a small bag; it wasn't very big at all. And I took them off to an event. There was probably a little bit of jewelry in it, scarves, and I mean, I didn't even have a story yet. Other than I said, what we're doing is we're trying to rescue girls. Blah blah blah. I sold every scarf, of course. And how I usually tell the story on stage, is I go and fast forward. You know that the fifteen years. So the, her and I then we, we formalized a committee, created a charity, and. IWIN just happened to be a charity that wasn't, wasn't a registered charity with Canadian government yet. just happened to be a charity that she had on the shelf, Inter- International Women's Education Network. And, um, and people always say, what's IWIN mean? Because it was a really weird, you know, whatever, mouthful. We, re- we got charitable status really easily. Again, maybe because she was a nun and she had a fast track to God, who knows. And, <laughs> And away we went and 15 years later, and I'm telling you hundreds of thousands of scarves later and um, thousands and thousands, like I, I, if I had the numbers, I, I never thought to, br- to bring them so I could read them to you, of the thousands and thousands of girls, which has affected thousands and thousands of families and also thousands and thousands of their mothers, because the mothers themselves said, well, we want to learn a little bit of literacy and numeracy skills. So then we started teaching. Well, we didn't. We, we set these, we sort of set the groundwork. We didn't even fund the mothers. They funded themselves. Every time that these mothers' groups would come together, and we have like 13 of them now. So there's probably 1,500 mothers just in this small little area in the Dang region of Nepal who would meet, you know, probably weekly. And they'd always all put in maybe two rupees, three rupees. That's like four cents Canadian uh, when they come. So they have so much. They've raised so much money in each of their little micro credit groups. They had to, they created their own bank. Wow. Like it's, Oh yeah so now instead of them having to go to a landlord because the A they didn't know they couldn't read they 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 are cast a caste system so they were really low they were the, uh, one of the lowest caste maybe the second lowest caste and uh, they just work with each other they support each other they uh, again we so we're teaching them a little bit of literacy numbers so they could figure out what their budgets are in their families, what they need, what and they've started their own little businesses. Whether someone's raising goats, someone's raising pigs, someone starts a little tea house, a noodle house. Some of our mothers are sewing, of course, all of our stuff. I've just all I did all afternoon today is packaged up masks. I'm selling masks now. I'm I'm not the scarf lady anymore. I'm a mask, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mask lady. And there's way less domestic violence. It's and of course the girls are still going through school because we keep putting him into schools and we've had to build him and how it grew and grew and grew is, um, the best thing I've done for the planet is take my husband with me to Nepal. The first time I went, because I, the princess who loves a good Westin hotel, <laughs> didn't think I could handle it because I'd never been, and I never really been to, well, I always say Mexico doesn't count because when I'm in Mexico, I'm at it all inclusive, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so I brought Kevin with me because I didn't think I could handle it, and he was just all excited. He goes, "Great, we're going to do Everest," uh, which we did as well. But he, as soon as he got there, he went, "Oh my god!" He goes, "I'm a builder. We gotta, we gotta get some better classrooms for these girls because we were overcrowding the schools at the time." Wow! And so Kevin got involved, and when Kevin took over the reins, like so, I still fundraise, but he took he he became the chair. The president has been he actually this is, he just actually stepped down in uh, October. He's been the chair for I don't know how many years. And he's connected, you know. He's a he's a developer builder in the Okanagan, and he's got a lot of contacts. So our reach got bigger, and you know he's very organized. So that kind of skill set. Then we just got we got better. We just got really dynamic, beautiful people on our board who've got big hearts and work ethic, and because we are a working board, um, we we finally hired a bookkeeper. This is a number of years ago now, so just keep us on track and keep everything great. And two, three years ago, when we—that's when we changed the name to Her International—we we hired two again, dynamo, just brilliant, articulate uh, women as our co-executive uh, directors for the charity part time. They make just a, just a smidgen of a salary, and of course, after this year, everybody got laid off. But you know, we've still had some pretty amazing, you know, fundraisers. I still have clients. I have clients that just before Christmas order every piece of fabric I had in the house. So, yeah. You know, I, I say, you know, way back when, if I would have known then uh, what it's become today, if, if someone said, okay, this is what you're going to do, and we're going to do this, I would have said, oh, there's no way. And not that I don't want to do the work, because I, I do lots of that. I Again, in my brain, I think, I don't know if I can handle it. And, you know, if you do any sort of research and reading around fear, they you know, the um, feel the fear and do it anyway. Susan Jeffries. She says the biggest fear that all of us have is not snakes or death or whatever it is. Um, she goes, it's literally the biggest fear is will I be able to handle it? And and the crazy thing is is that we all handle everything. Mm. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. We handle everything that that's dealt. And to think that that's our biggest that's why we don't move on stuff because we think will I be able to handle the other side of this? Yeah, we will. <laughs> so that's how it did. It, it, it's grown and exploded. We've gotten some pretty you know, significant sponsors and donors now, some, you know, movers and shakers in our community. We've expanded into Canada. We're doing our last fundraiser. We split between, um, we, and it was the biggest fundraiser we've ever had, did an online fundraiser, did a virtual fundraiser and raised money for, yes, Nepal, um, a homeless shelter uh, in the Okanagan, homeless shelter in Alberta. And people go, why Edmonton? Because that's where Kevin and I are from. Mm-hmm. So we chose a women's shelter. And because um, our, our mandate is uh, women and children. And what's the coolest thing about the whole thing, like that happened a year and a half ago, is that we've been fundraising, fundraising, fundraising for like my entire life as a fundraiser. And the ladies, the mothers' groups in Nepal said, "Well, we should do something for the Into the Night group in Kelowna." So they did a fundraiser in their mothers' groups, and of them all putting you know whatever they could afford rupees into a into a suitcase, literally and raised i think it was um 180 wow. <laughs> but for them that is massive that is massive massive and they wrote a check and we delivered the check to the group so th- we didn't instigate that we didn't even we didn't even um we didn't drive that we didn't ask for it uh the mothers groups just came together and said we like to give back to the the women in wow. canada
0: wow no like, that's Aegis. it's a it's a powerful
1: thing. Care is contagious. Yeah. Yes, isn't that true? Yeah. Okay. So that's it, it, it's cool. It is so
0: cool, I mean, and I love that. Was, um, I, remember, I remember reading a quote from Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson, and he said yes. that something to the effect of, I can't remember exactly, that if they had, if they would have imagined uh, or try to strategize for what Virgin is today, it never would have happened. So, right. So mm-hmm. you kind of prepare for what is just in front of you, and then you can't cross a bridge till you get to it, kind of thing. For people listening, a, a lot of the listeners are, you know, in the HR departments trying to I- integrate a sense of social consciousness into their organization, or it's a business owner thinking, "How can mm-hmm. I give back more?" It's not just about profits. And yeah. you're living that, and you're doing it. What advice would you give to that HR person, mm-hmm. learning development person, or that business owner? Like, what what are the simple um, pieces
1: of advice? Okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, if I was an HR person, I would just Put this, put a couple questions out to the teams. If you're going to put time and energy into stuff, you know, if, if tell us employers are going to put some time and energy. They want to do something that they have some passion around and they're a big group. So if you're an individual, you want to ask yourself two things. What do you absolutely love? Like what, what just totally charges you up and what do you absolutely angst as, a, or as Beth will say, if, if you remember Popeye and a cartoon from the sixties. Uh, and he and would say, Popeye, I don't know if you're, you're. I know you're way under the meter." Something um, about Popeye. <laughs> so Popeye. So Papa, would go. I can't stand it. I can't stand it no more. It's something that totally pisses you off, like angst is just. Oh, it's like it's like your forehead on a cheese grater, yeah. right? Makes you angry, and somewhere between those two is, as I call it, I call it choosing a slice of the planet, is is a slice that you'll have some passion for, and. Because if you're going to give back, it takes some energy. There's no question. So if you want to, if that piece of yourself, and I believe it's actually fundamental for us to be totally alive. I think all of us, because if you are like me, we're living it, we're living gifted. Not everybody on the planet is, but we're living a very gifted life, very blessed, even with problems. We're living a blessed life. If you want to get out of a funk, you go do something for someone else without, and they never, with no expectation that they ever have to pay you back. Uh, but that's got to be something, if you can put the energy into it, it's got to be something that you've got some passion around. I mean, you're the passion lady. So you you love it. So for me, I've always been a huge, huge women and girls fan. Support, it's just my, it's, it's in my DNA. Started very young for me. I know the exact moment that it started. And so it is so ingrained in me that uh, to help women, you know, as uh, Gloria Steinem would say, you know, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss mm. you off. I literally have that book sitting right in front of me right now. My girlfriend found it in a used bookstore. <laughs> you know, I was def- I've definitely been a Gloria Steinem feminist my entire life. And, you know, just when we thought we were doing great, not so great, like we're still, anyway, there's so much there that angsts me and also that I love. So when those things lined up for me, it was pretty easy. Mm. And I think it's really important for um, whether you're in a big corporation, whether you're an HR person or whether you're a solopreneur, entrepreneur, your customers, clients uh, expect you to do something. It's just it's not the it's not the exception. It's it is the norm. And it's okay to be profitable and be philanthropic. There's no guilt at all. It's a beautiful marriage. Everybody benefits. So it, you got to know that, you know, oh, because, I mean, the reason so many not-for-profits, I'm going, come on. <laughs> you can, you know, capitalism works just fine within the philanthropic world. It's okay to be successful and give back. You don't have to be, wait till you're successful to give back. You give back in time. But it's a win-win. I'm not embarrassed at all that, hey, yes, I do all this, but it's also a big part of what I talk about. So it's a big part of my story. Mm-hmm because life is about stories. That's, I mean, those are the best stories in the end are the ones that win. And the ones that make impact. Yeah, back to the impact thing. And you know this, for you know this, but I've, that there's not a person who's been in an audience of mine in 30 years who's ever remembered the 12 steps to managing right. stress. <laughs> I've had people come back to me, they saw me 20 flipping some years ago and tell me a story I told. And I remember the, I remember the, they would repeat it. I've told that so many times. Like Alvin Law once said, when, when, if you tell a good story and then the person who saw you tell the story tells that story, whose story does it become? Because the story yeah. goes on, right? <laughs> yeah. And with probably embellishments, but it doesn't matter. People remember story. And if you've got some great stories, if you've done some cool things, you got to tell that story. And if you're doing cool things to, that make the world a better place to be as a business owner, an entrepreneur, or an HR person you you best be using that as part of your marketing and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it's a win, win, they win, you win. If you're doing it just for that, well, then you're not doing it with the right headspace or heart space, but that's a beautiful relationship. I, I believe, because there's lots of slices of the planet that need to be chosen.
0: Right. I love that idea that it has to, you know, you're passionate about it, but there has to be some kind of angst that you have some kind of feeling of energy to fix something to Make a yeah. difference because it just irks your soul in such a way.
1: Hmm. Yeah. There's lots of things that make us, you know, whether it's environmental, or whatever your thing is. and Yeah. And I, and it can be all of those, but just, you know, choose something you're willing to put some energy into because that's, you need, you need energy if you're going to, you know, oh, and BTW, you know, we've always said, well, yeah, but you can't change the world. Actually, no, you can change a slice of the world. Like the slice of the world we chose, which is this, you know, a little swath of, community in southwestern nepal is changed culturally every "Oh, it's really tough to change culture well it can be done it's it's wild to think that culturally they have um you know then the men started saying well we'd like to learn how to read and write so anyway at one point we had to do a more holistic approach to what we were doing
0: (laughs) change the messaging a little bit
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: And yeah. I think, too, people don't um, recognize that it doesn't have to be huge. You know, it can be uh, 1% of your sales that you donate to matters to. Or, like, you know, selling the scarves that you were you were there anyways and you had the this- you know, yeah. So this is for anyone listening and you want to integrate impact into your business platform, it doesn't have to be difficult.
1: No, it doesn't and I always say you do not have to do what we've done, not even close. So for me, selling a scarf is a touchstone thing. So and so and people are very inspired by learning about other cultures. They really are, especially you know, if you're at an event and I tell the story, I mean I always rate how well I do by how many scarves are left on the table. Mm-hmm. Like it's not whether I get a standing ovation or, I mean, yes, I love when people clap and they laugh. That's yeah. beautiful. But if I've got no scarves left on the table, I go, that was a good one. That's literally how I rate how well yeah. I did. Wow. <laughs> and people go, I, they'll t- tell me, I still have my scarf. I love that scarf. And they think about girls, they think about it when they wear it. So it's, it's a touch point that they're $20, which makes a huge difference. Um, is just one way that they got to give back. So, and so it's a really interesting exchange. Mm-hmm.
0: feels good too. Mm-hmm. So you're, yeah. for many, many years, on stage, off stage, sharing wisdom, tips, strategies, all kinds of humor and wonderment and magic. What is the best uh, advice you have ever received? Put you on the spot.
1: On oh, I wish I would have had this ahead of time. I could have really thought this through. Let me think. Big, 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 big influencers. Advice. I can definitely talk about influence. Mm -hmm. One of my profs at university when I was in, uh, they don't call it the faculty of phys ed ed anymore. Uh, They call it uh, kinesiology or sport. And I don't even know what they call it anymore. Anyways, I was in the faculty of phys ed and I was listening to a prof second year, um, Ted Wall, Dr. Ted Wall was his name. And he was talking about People with disabilities, and and because uh, you a part of the my degree, well what I actually have is an adaptive fed, uh, phys ed degree, which is, means I was working with people with physical disabilities and helping them with their mobility, and um, th- that was my that my, that was the trajectory I, I I got on. But he inspired me so much that he literally changed what I thought I wanted to do. I just I just I just loved what he how compassionate he was. And um, inspired by people, the, the ability to, you know, because dis- at the time we're talking late 70s, early 80s, where nothing was accessible. There it wasn't even a word yet, accessibility. Maybe it just started to be. And um, to give people access to whatever experiences they wanted, regardless of their abilities. And so he definitely took me on a trajectory that uh, changed how I am as a person because at the time, again, I didn't know anything about people with disabilities, whether it was uh, physical or mental disabilities. I just thought, oh, I wonder if I'll be okay about it. I mean, that literally, that's how naive, naive and stupid of my thinking was. When, I in fact, what I realized about myself is that I didn't even see that in them. And uh, that was obvious to me. Anyways, full circle, two years ago, I'm speaking at McGill uh, to faculty, profs and admin. And he's in the audience. And I don't realize it until maybe three quarters of the way through my presentation. And I literally started bawling. I, I went, oh, I just he didn't even know what to do with me. <laughs> because I'm talking, it's been 40, not quite, 38 years since I've been in university. And you recognized him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I think I must have said, oh, I went to U of M from Edmonton, and because I also my, my how I got into speaking is I worked for Participation, so the process was I worked for the City of Edmonton, I actually get this as their fitness advisor.
0: <laughs> you <are>.
1: laugh. Back, back. When i was teaching aerobics and you wore slouch socks oh, you know and hi. Uh, jane jane fonda yeah, yeah. high waisted jane fonda <laughs> oh yeah i was totally karma 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 chameleon i was that I was that aerobics instructor where you just stood in one spot and moved front and back anyways mm-hmm. bad and um went from went from working for the city for a number of years to eventually becoming a consultant with ParticipAction. So I must have said something about that while I was in the audience. And he goes, Oh, he goes, Where'd you go? I said, U of A. He goes, oh, I used to teach. I looked at his name tag. I went, Oh, and I literally lost my shit. Like I've never, I just have never viscerally felt that uh-huh. about someone who completely influenced me. But, you know, it's probably, it's probably not the answer you wanted. Um, I, I think it's a but, beautiful uh,
0: answer because often it's not necessarily an actual statement of wisdom, but it's like this overall influence. And it's usually from a person in our life that they don't even know they had that impact. Maybe something was so said or, in, right?
1: It's often teachers. They never know that they've yeah. had impact. And they never know that lots of times, especially educators, whether they're whatever age, even university, that they save people's lives with just a few kind words and they don't even realize it unless someone comes back and tells them like, I, I've done some research around that. So I know that to be a fact. Educators hardly ever get that kind of feedback. So but I will say one thing about somebody in the, in our, in, in our world, in the speaker world, a lady by the name of Patricia, who's um, in Calgary. And she's just, I, I actually called her my second mom, but uh, so I got to know her and she <laughs> uh, as a speaker and her and I were at a couple of women's events together and she came and saw me once in Calgary. So this is probably, I've, I've been at it 10 years and I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. You know, I'm, I think I am just hot shit. And, uh, you know where that gets you right when your ego is, you know, just ridiculous. Uh, anyway, so I'm pushing the envelope. I mean, big time. And I, and I love being, I love shock factor. I did at the time. And she, she came up and talked to me after she says, Oh, I people are laughing but you could tell there's there's probably a, a more than a handful cringing. Oh. <laughs> I don't mind if I don't mind if one person cringes but if I got you know, anyway. <laughs> and she's and her, this is her advice she says Linda she goes you know that was really good she goes but you know what she goes I don't think you need to um I really don't think you need to push that hard she says because it's still very 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 funny without you know you're a little bit over the edge I don't know. So she said it something like that, and that has totally stuck with me. And from then on, then on in, I just sort of walked to the edge versus going over the edge. And when I say edge, you know what I mean by oh, yeah, edge. I'm right? wondering
0: how you know when when you hit the edge.
1: I can see it in people's faces, <laughs> but I always know I pushed the edge on somebody, maybe three people. But so swearing would be one of them, which I have said shit, or I've, I've mouthed the word f. I've not ever said it, but I've mouthed the word like lip sync, so to speak. If I've said something, I learned this from Amanda Gore out of Australia. She, she is teaching us how to de-escalate a room if you know you've pushed buttons. And now I de-escalate by saying, by the way, I'm going to push your buttons. <laughs> so I tell them beforehand. And if I do, <laughs> this is how I set it up. I want you to notice that. Don't just respond to it, but mm-hmm. notice it. So instead of going to judgment, which all of us do this very easily, go to curiosity and you can still be mad at me, but just go to curiosity and go, hmm, why did that just push my buttons? So I, I set myself up. I call it myself on it first. I explain what's going to happen. And then sometimes if I've done it and I can see it in their eyes, I want them to know that I noticed that they're offended. Mm-hmm. So I say, I can see I can see by the look of some of your eyes. You're thinking, oh, that's a bit much. So if I if I do that, it also allows them to hear the rest of it. So it's just like if the room is stinking hot you and you as a, as a person in front of the room says, "Oh my gosh, it's really hot in here but they're going to change it." People calm down versus thinking they're going, "Oh my god, it's hot. It's hot. It's hot." They can't get their head back in the room. So I want I want to get their heads back in the room. So that's just a that's just a skill set that I've, I've it works. So for those of you who are giving presentations, call yourself on stuff if you've messed up.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel like everyone listening yeah. right now wants to go to
1: YouTube and watch your videos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: get a
1: real sense of what she's talking about right oh yeah or you know i like well one of my one of the things i love to do i love walking in like this is what i really miss i love walking into an audience because i want them to feel the change of energy mm. like you can viscerally feel it so i walk into the audience and i wow well, if i'm walking up with someone and that person generally a guy once in a while it's a woman but generally it's a guy and he's looking down because the last place he wants to be is in that audience that day and i go oh i can see you're thinking back off sister okay <laughs> So if I say that, it just, it just takes that energy right away. And, and so there's lots of little, whatever tips and tricks you can do to be in the room with people as they can see you. <laughs> I, oh God. I, anyways, I've gotten, I've definitely got myself in trouble. I remember calling some guys, he had a goatee <laughs> and I was describing personalities. Oh, this, you probably have to edit this. Anyways, I was describing personalities going around the room and the city of Calgary, they were probably in the utilities departments. And I said, and all you guys with these, uh, what is this? Uh, goats' ass? I call them goats' oh. ass. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got big trouble. Who did for you that get one. in trouble
0: by? Out of curiosity, was it? The-
1: uh, oh, oh, one of the guys. He oh, was quite offended. Okay. As long
0: as the client's yeah. not
1: offended. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. then no, I mean you're up, you're okay. Yeah, you. Know, and I probably get, I probably get not anymore, but used to get maybe one good solid, really nasty email a year. Mm-hmm. And then I just, sit, I just sit there and I look at it and I look at it and I say, how do I want to respond? You know, because I really want to annihilate the person, but I just go, okay, I got to really think this through. You know, how do I want to respond to this?
0: You know, I always think that when I get nasty messages or emails, uh, my first thought is right on. I got some new keynote material. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah, I> <laughs> uh, well, you, you are certainly yeah. uh, a master at communication, at engagement. When you walk into a room, you bring... Your energy, which is so infectious, but also real practical shifts, and I think that's obviously why you're so successful. And then to be able to actually weave impact into everything you're doing personally and professionally—it's very inspiring. I, This is why I wanted to have you on the show. So for anyone who is listening, I know they they probably a want to watch your videos, listen to your talk now. Um, for them to get a hold of you, they can go to LindaEdgecomb.com. And I I do you have a channel mm-hmm. and everything like that, right? Lots lots of material oh, yeah. there. And you also. Have- my dad would was say,
1: that- yeah, "I have more." My dad would say, "I have more shit than Shinola." <laughs>
0: yeah, and you have a free book for anyone listening as well. Yes. So how
1: would they? So breaking busy, um, I have as, as an ebook, and if you just go to my site, you're gonna. Is last good? You want to download, and it comes in whatever format you can choose which format you like best for your e-readers or computer, you can get a PDF if you want it. And uh, you can also, what you, you'll also get with the book is two um, audits. One audit will be a personal audit and it's perfect. Well, it's, it, it's early in the year still, but maybe when you're listening to this, is middle of the year. There's an audit you can give yourself. a uh, You can survey yourself, see what parts of your life moving forward you want to maybe work on. Just choose one. Don't choose any more. Even if there's three that are not a very high score, just choose one. And um, there's also a workplace audit. And so, maybe if you have a team, you might want to download it, print it, and have your team do the audit. And it's a great uh, sort of launching pad for what? How do you want to be a team moving forward? What area of our workplace should we work on? It's just a great way to start a conversation around how we can be, you know, more effective, healthier, more supportive. Whatever, whatever needs to happen in your team, it'll come out in the wash. Cool.
0: Okay, some great tools. Well. That's lyndaedgecombe.com. Go and check it out. And thank you, Linda, for your time. Thanks for the laughs and getting off the couch and uh, hanging out with me for a little bit tonight. I do appreciate it.
1: You're welcome.
0: Such an inspiring conversation. Listen, if you love learning how to live and lead in a conscious and fulfilling way and you find this show empowering, please share with your friends, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, cast your vote, make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time passion for impact is sponsored by the inspire store need a gift that inspires inspire store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words yes you can every purchase supports food banks canada plus you will receive trisha miltimore's popular personal development shift up e-course empowerment awaits you shop with impact at inspirestore.org.
1: Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time.